Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kehud Malkuto Le'olam Va'ed Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Friday, August the 4th. It is prophesied in the book of Amos that in the last days there would be a famine in the land, not a famine for food, but a famine for the word of God, as it is written in Amos 8, 11, and 12. Behold, the days come, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea and from the north even to the east, They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, and shall not find it. Even in the days of Joseph there were seven years of plenty, followed by seven years of famine. He had stored up grain for the seven years of famine. The Daily Audio Torah is your storehouse where you can get grain. It is twenty minutes every day of pure scripture flowing out, living manna to feed your spirit. Are you being blessed by this ministry? Please consider supporting Daily Audio Torah. You can make a one-time or a recurring donation by going to dailyaudiotorah.com and then click on the Give pick on the navigation menu. You can then make a secure online donation there. Thank you for your prayers, and thank you for your support. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the New Living Translation for the Hebrew Scriptures and for the Brit Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Ekev, and it means, On the Heel of. Deuteronomy 11, 1-10 You must love the Lord your God and obey all His requirements, decrees, regulations, and commands. Keep in mind that I am not talking now to your children who have never experienced the discipline of the Lord your God or seen His greatness and His strong hand and powerful arm. They didn't see the miraculous signs and the wonders He performed in Egypt against Pharaoh and all his land. They didn't see what the Lord did to the armies of Egypt and to their horses and chariots, how he drowned them in the Red Sea as they were chasing you. He destroyed them, and they have not recovered to this very day. Your children didn't see how the Lord cared for you in the wilderness until you arrived here. They didn't see what he did to Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, a descendant of Reuben, when the earth opened its mouth in the Israelite camp and swallowed them, along with their households and tents and every living thing that belonged to them. But you have seen the Lord perform 
all these mighty deeds with your own eyes. Therefore, be careful to obey every command I am giving you today, so you may have strength to go in and take over the land you are about to enter. If you obey, you will enjoy a long life in the land the Lord swore to give to your ancestors and to you, their descendants. A land flowing with milk and honey. For the land you are about to enter and take over is not like the land from which you came, where you planted your seed and made irrigation ditches with your foot, as in a vegetable garden. Second Chronicles 35, 1-36-23 Then Josiah announced that the Passover of the Lord would be celebrated in Jerusalem, and so the Passover lamb was slaughtered on the fourteenth day of the first month. Josiah also assigned the priests to their duties and encouraged them in their work at the temple of the Lord. He issued this order to the Levites, who were to teach all Israel, and who had been set apart to serve the Lord. Put the holy ark in the temple that was built by Solomon, son of David, the king of Israel. You no longer need to carry it back and forth on your shoulders. Now spend your time serving the Lord your God and his people, Israel. Report for duty according to the family divisions of your ancestors, following the directions of King David of Israel and the directions of his son Solomon. Then stand in the sanctuary at the place appointed for your family division and help the families assigned to you as they bring their offerings to the temple. Slaughter the Passover lambs, purify yourselves, and prepare to help those who come. Follow all the directions that the Lord gave through Moses. Then Josiah provided 30,000 lambs and young goats for the people's Passover offerings, along with 3,000 cattle, all from the king's own flocks and herds. The king's officials also made willing contributions to the people, priests, and Levites. Hilkiah, Zechariah, and Jehiel, the administrators of God's temple, gave the priests 2,600 lambs and young goats and 300 cattle as Passover offerings. The Levite leaders, Conaniah and his brothers Shemaiah and Nethanel, as well as Hashabiah, Jeel, and Jozebad, gave 5,000 lambs and young goats and 500 cattle to the Levites for their Passover offerings. When everything was ready for the Passover celebration, the priests and the Levites took their places organized by their divisions, as the king had commanded. The Levites then slaughtered the Passover lambs and presented the blood to the priests, who sprinkled the blood on the altar, while the Levites prepared the animals. They divided the burnt offerings among the people by their family groups, so they could offer them to the Lord as prescribed in the book of Moses. They did the same with the cattle. Then they roasted the Passover lambs as prescribed, and they boiled the holy offerings in pots, kettles, and pans, and brought them out quickly so the people could eat them. Afterward, the Levites prepared Passover offerings for themselves and for the priests, the descendants of Aaron, 
because the priests have been busy from morning till night offering the burnt offerings and the fat portions. The Levites took responsibility for all these preparations. The musicians, descendants of Asaph, were in their assigned places following the commands that had been given by David, Asaph, Heman, and Jedithan, the king's seer. The gatekeepers guarded the gates and did not need to leave their posts of duty, for their Passover offerings were prepared for them by their fellow Levites. The entire ceremony for the Lord's Passover was completed that day. All the burnt offerings were sacrificed on the altar of the Lord, as King Josiah had commanded. All the Israelites present in Jerusalem celebrated Passover and the festival of unleavened bread for seven days. Never since the time of the prophet Samuel had there been such a Passover. None of the kings of Israel had ever kept a Passover as Josiah did, involving all the priests and Levites and all the people of Jerusalem and people from all over Judah and Israel. This Passover was celebrated in the 18th year of Josiah's reign. After Josiah had finished restoring the temple, King Necho of Egypt led his army up from Egypt to do battle at Carchemish on the Euphrates River, and Josiah and his army marched out to fight him. But King Necho sent messengers to Josiah with this message, What do you want with me, king of Judah? I have no quarrel with you today. I am on my way to fight another nation, and God has told me to hurry. Do not interfere with God, who is with me, or he will destroy you. But Josiah refused to listen to Necho, to whom God had indeed spoken, and he would not turn back. Instead, he disguised himself and led his army into battle on the plain of Megiddo. But the enemy archers hit King Josiah with their arrows and wounded him. He cried out to his men, Take me from the battle, for I am badly wounded. So they lifted Josiah out of his chariot and placed him in another chariot. Then they brought him back to Jerusalem, where he died. He was buried there in the royal cemetery, and all Judah and Jerusalem mourned for him. The prophet Jeremiah composed funeral songs for Josiah, and to this day choirs still sing these sad songs about his death. These songs of sorrow have become a tradition and are recorded in the Book of Laments. The rest of the events of Josiah's reign and his acts of devotion carried out according to what was written in the Law or the Torah of the Lord, from beginning to the end, all are recorded in the Book of the Kings of Israel and Judah. Then the people of the land took Josiah's son Jehoahaz and made him the next king in Jerusalem. Jehoahaz was twenty-three years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem three months. Then he was deposed by the king of Egypt, who demanded that Judah pay 7,500 pounds of silver and 75 pounds of gold as tribute. The king of Egypt then installed Eliakim, the brother of Jehoaz, as the next king of Judah and Jerusalem, and he changed Eliakim's name to Jehoiakim. 
Then Necho took Jehoahaz to Egypt as a prisoner. Jehoiakim was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 11 years. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord his God. Then King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and captured it, and he bound Jehoiakim in bronze chains and led him away to Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar also took some of the treasures from the temple of the Lord, and he placed them in his palace in Babylon. The rest of the events in Jehoiakim's reign, including all the evil things he did and everything found against him, are recorded in the book of the kings of Israel and Judah. Then his son Jehoiakim became the next king. Jehoiakim was 18 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem three months and ten days. Jehoiakim did what was evil in the Lord's sight. In the spring of the year, King Nebuchadnezzar took Jehoiakim to Babylon. Many treasures from the temple of the Lord were also taken to Babylon at that time, and Nebuchadnezzar installed Jehoiakim's uncle, Zedekiah, as the next king in Judah and Jerusalem. Zedekiah was 21 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 11 years. But Zedekiah did what was evil in the sight of the Lord his God. And he refused to humble himself when the prophet Jeremiah spoke to him directly from the Lord. He also rebelled against King Nebuchadnezzar, even though he had taken an oath of loyalty in God's name. Zedekiah was a hard and stubborn man, refusing to turn to the Lord, the God of Israel. Likewise, all the leaders of the priests and the people became more and more unfaithful. They followed all the pagan practices of the surrounding nations, desecrating the temple of the Lord that had been consecrated in Jerusalem. The Lord, the God of their ancestors, repeatedly sent his prophets to warn them, for he had compassion on his people and his temple. But the people mocked these messengers of God and despised their words. They scoffed at the prophets until the Lord's anger could no longer be restrained and nothing could be done. So the Lord brought the king of Babylon against him. The Babylonians killed Judah's young men, even chasing after them into the temple. They had no pity on the people, killing both young men and young women, the old and the infirm. God handed all of them over to Nebuchadnezzar. The king took home to Babylon all the articles, large and small, used in the temple of God, and the treasures from both of the Lord's temple and from the palace of the king and his officials. Then his army burned the temple of God, tore down the walls of Jerusalem, burned all the palaces, and completely destroyed everything of value. The few who survived were taken as exiles to Babylon, and they became servants to the king and his sons, until the kingdom of Persia came to power. So the message of the Lord spoken through Jeremiah was fulfilled. The land finally enjoyed its Sabbath rest, lying desolate 
until the seventy years were fulfilled, just as the prophet had said. In the first year of King Cyrus of Persia, the Lord fulfilled the prophecy he had given through Jeremiah. He stirred the heart of Cyrus to put this proclamation in writing and to send it throughout his kingdom. This is what King Cyrus of Persia says, The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth. He has appointed me to build him a temple at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Any of you who are his people may go there for this task, and may the Lord your God be with you. First Corinthians 1, 1-17 This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, and from our brother Sosthenes. I am writing to God's church in Corinth to you who have been called by God to be his own holy people. He made you holy by means of Yeshua, just as he did for all people everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Yeshua, their Lord and ours. May God our Father and the Lord Yeshua give you grace and peace. I always thank my God for you and for the gracious gifts he has given you, now that you belong to Yeshua. Through him, God has enriched your church in every way, with all of your eloquent words and all of your knowledge. This confirms that what I told you about Yeshua is true. Now you have every spiritual gift you need as you eagerly wait for the return of our Lord Yeshua. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be free from all blame on the day when our Lord Yeshua returns. God will do this, for He is faithful to do what He says, and He has invited you into partnership with His Son, Yeshua. I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Yeshua to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather, be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. For some members of Chloe's household have told me about your quarrels, my dear brothers and sisters. Some of you are saying, I am a follower of Paul. Others are saying, I follow Apollos, or I follow Peter, or I follow only Yeshua. Has Christ been divided into factions? Was I, Paul, crucified for you? Were any of you baptized in the name of Paul? Of course not. I thank God that I did not baptize any of you, except Crispus and Gaius, for now no one can say they were baptized in my name. Oh yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus, but I don't remember baptizing anyone else. For Yeshua didn't send me to baptize, but to preach the good news, and not with clever speech, for fear that the cross of Yeshua would lose its power. Psalm 27, 1-6 The Lord is my light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger, so why should I tremble? When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I am attacked, I will remain confident. 
The one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing that I seek most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. For he will conceal me there when troubles come. He will hide me in his sanctuary. He will place me out of reach on a high rock. Then I will hold my head high above my enemies who surround me. At his sanctuary, I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy, singing and praising the Lord with music. Proverbs 20, 20 and 21. If you insult your father or mother, your light will be snuffed out in total darkness. An inheritance obtained too early in life is not a blessing in the end. I'd like to speak to you today from 2 Chronicles chapter 35 and 36, and there's some real gems and treasures here that I want to unpack. First of all, we want to come back to King Josiah and the incredible reformation that he inaugurated and um, was instituted, uh, brought it about. Uh, Remember, we read yesterday how the Torah had been uncovered, buried under the rubble of the ruins of the temple. And when Josiah read the Torah, he was deeply uh, cut to the heart and he repented. And he read the Torah to the people and they also repented. And then he began the process of putting legs and feet to his prayers of repentance And they began to tear down all of the Asherah poles and the idols and clean things up and and repair the temple. And the first thing that they did was they celebrated Passover. And so I find that really fascinating and interesting that as they are returning to the Lord and repenting of their sin and their idolatry and repairing the temple and beginning to turn their hearts back to the Lord God of Israel, that the first thing they do is they institute, they they go back to keeping Passover. In verse 17, all the Israelites present in Jerusalem celebrated Passover and the festival of unleavened bread for seven days. Never since the time of the prophet Samuel Had there been such a Passover, none of the kings of Israel had ever kept a Passover as Josiah did, involving all the priests and Levites, all the people of Jerusalem, and people from all over Judah and Israel. This Passover was celebrated in the 18th year of Josiah's reign. So this was an incredible thing that they kept the Passover. And what is the significance of that? Passover begins our spiritual journey. And we all begin in Egypt. We all begin in the world. We all begin as sinners. And when we get born again and we ask Yeshua into our heart, that is us putting, applying the blood of Yeshua on the doorposts of our heart and inviting Yeshua to come in to our heart. And applying that blood covers us from our sin, that we repent of our sin, we're covered, his blood and his death take, 
he takes our place. And then we begin our journey, our spiritual journey. So we continue the journey. We keep unleavened bread. We go on to Shavuot. And so it's the beginning of a covenant marriage relationship. Yeshua is asking his bride, will you marry me? And when we step into the Torah and his commandments, and we are empowered by the indwelling Holy Spirit to keep them because we love him, not out of religious duty or out of religiosity, but because we love him. This begins a new covenant relationship. So I find it really very significant that after Josiah brings about this incredible national reformation, that the first thing they do is keep Passover. Because really, that's our wedding ring. That's showing the Lord that that we're engaged to him. When we keep Passover, when we keep Shabbat, this is our wedding ring, showing that we are engaged to him. Now I want to continue on in the reading in the next chapter, chapter 36. And we see that King Nebuchadnezzar comes to Babylon and captures it, and a succession of kings are bound up and taken away in chains. Jehoiakim is taken away in bronze chains. And then we see that um, Nebuchadnezzar took Jehoiakim to Babylon. Many treasures from the temple were also taken to Babylon. And Nebuchadnezzar then installs Jehoiakim's uncle Zedekiah as the next king in Judah and Jerusalem. But because Zedekiah is hard and stubborn, and he refuses to turn to the Lord, the God of Israel, and he's also rebellious against King Nebuchadnezzar, something really, really tragic happens. And so what happens is the army of Nebuchadnezzar burns the temple of God and tears down the walls of Jerusalem burning all the palaces and completely destroying everything of value. And this did not happen on any random day. This happened on the 9th of Av. Now, we just kept the 9th of Av on July 26th and 27th, sundown the 26th into July the 27th of this year. Typically, the 9th of Av... uh, happens in late July or early August each year. And it's a day of great national mourning. All the Jewish people grieve, they fast, and they mourn and they lament, and they remember the destruction of the first temple, which we read about today here in Second Chronicles chapter 36. And also the second temple was also destroyed on the same day, the 9th of Av in 70 AD by the Romans. So. In Second Chronicles chapter 36, verse 20, the few who survived were taken as exiles to Babylon, and they became servants to the king and his sons until the kingdom of Persia came to power. Now, there is an incredible prophecy that is spoken of in Daniel chapter 9, and we'll just go there. And Daniel studied the scriptures, and he understood that their time of exile in Babylon was only going to be for a season, only for 70 years. 
So in Daniel chapter 9, verse 2, it is written, During the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, learned from reading the word of the Lord as revealed to Jeremiah the prophet that Jerusalem must lie desolate for 70 years. And all of a sudden, he a light bulb goes on and he realizes, oh, the 70 years of exile are almost up. We're getting close to the end of that 70 years. So what does he do? Verse 3, so I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and fasting. I also wore rough burlap and sprinkled myself with ashes, and I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed. Now, I'm not going to read all of his prayer, but basically he prays a heartfelt prayer of repentance because he sees we have been exiled to a foreign land, to Babylon, because of our sin. We broke covenant with you. We've been idolatrous. We've done abominable things. And the 70 years of exile are nearly completed. And we want to return. But the only way that God would allow them to return is if there has been a change of heart. So, um, Basically, there was a 70-year prophecy clock that was ticking, and Daniel decoded that clock. He figured out when the clock started and when it was about to end, and knowing that it was about to end, that the 70 years was nearly completed, he prayed and interceded, asking the Lord to um, make a way for them to be able to return to the land. So, There is a teaching I want to refer you to, and there's going to be a link in the description box below this audio, Um, and it's called The 70 Weeks of Daniel Unsealed, What Time Is It? Now, why do we want to point to this? Because continuing on in today's reading, it says in verse 22, in the first year of King Cyrus of Persia, The Lord fulfilled the prophecy he had given through Jeremiah. He stirred the heart of Cyrus to put this proclamation in writing and to send it throughout this kingdom. This is what King Cyrus of Persia says. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth. He has appointed me to build him a temple at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Any of you who are his people may go there for this task. And may the Lord your God be with you. So he is telling the people who are in exile in Babylon, you can return home and you can go back and rebuild your temple. And this happened exactly 70 years later. And Daniel decoded that. He figured this out. So what's interesting about the word of God is that Biblical history is prophecy. This literally happened in history. The prophecy was fulfilled once in the time of Daniel, but that that same prophecy can be fulfilled again and even again. There can be a triple fulfillment of a prophecy. So what is the prophecy? It's the 70 weeks of Daniel. Okay, and and I'm just going to share it. It's It's long been... A mystery. It's long been hard to understand, not easy, and much debate or discussion around this 70 week prophecy. 
So here is the prophecy from Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 and 25. Seventy weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and sixty-two weeks. The street shall be built again, and the wall, even in troublesome times. And after sixty-two weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end of it shall be with a flood, until the end of the war desolations are determined. Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. But in the middle of the week he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering, and on the wing of abominations shall be one who makes desolate. Even until the consummation which is determined is poured out on the desolate. So I point you to um, a teaching, actually, part one and part two, that was recently recorded by yours truly. It's a video teaching, and it's called The Seventy Weeks of Daniel Unsealed. What time is it? Part one and part two. So in Daniel chapter 12, verse 4, it says, But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. What are the 70 weeks of Daniel? What is a week? We will look at the first 70-year Babylonian exile in the time of Daniel. How did Daniel decode the scriptures to figure out when his own exile would end? We will seek to understand Daniel's method of calculation for knowing when his exile would end. We will then apply this same method of calculation for understanding when our exile will end today. How close are we to the end of our exile? Part 1 sets the historical background and context for how the 70-week, 70-year prophecy was fulfilled during the time of Daniel. And then in part two, we go on and it says in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 10, this is what the Lord says, when the 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place. Jeremiah 29, 14, I will be found by you, says Yahweh, and I will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, says Yahweh, and I will bring you to the place from which I cause you to be carried away captive. Part 2 shows us how the 70-week, 70-year prophecy was fulfilled a second time during the time of Messiah Yeshua. Then we apply the Daniel calculation to modern times and look at two possible start points for the Daniel 70-week, 70-year prophecy. So it's been recently updated and revised, and it is on Rumble, and I have put the link to part one and part two in the description box below, and I hope and pray that you will take some time and listen to it, watch it, and um, 
ponder, reflect, pray into it. There's much to take in and reflect on, and um, it really does give us a glimpse of what time it really is prophetically on God's prophecy time clock. That's all I have for today. Be blessed, and we will see you tomorrow. Shalom. Adonai Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. <laughs>